Hello and welcome to Bend the Knee, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast. I am Sir Matt the Bud Knight. And I am Sir Ezra the Watchful. Welcome to our Song of Ice and Fire book club. Uh, today we are reviewing Fire and Blood, the uh, brand mm-hmm. new um, history on uh, the Targaryens. So, Yeah. Hey, we've been waiting. We've been waiting for this book to come out. It is, uh, you know, it is finally here. Yep. Um, and and this is going to be kind of a. I guess we'll do kind of a non-spoiler. Yeah. Kind of review, and then maybe hit some spoilers later. Absolutely. Um, yep. Yeah. So maybe. Yeah. So maybe just kind of start with initial thoughts here, Sir Ezra. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, I think the thing we were kind of nervous about this book um, was how much of it is going to be rehashed material yeah <laughs> yes we were uh a little bit nervous about that but uh it i mean as in in you know i told you before we started i read the first two chapters and was like discouraged a little bit i was kind of like what the heck me, you know me too uh, yeah me too i i read i read that first chapter and um and I was thinking, man, this is pretty much straight out of World of Ice and Fire. Actually, um, you know, I, you, you and I were think we're gonna are gonna read um, mm-hmm. read that uh, if you if you can pull up. Um, oh yeah, the, yeah. Aegon's 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 conquest here. Let me um, let me pull this uh, this up here. Pretty sure it's uh, pretty much the same uh, exact same. Exact same lo- uh, lines, <laughs> yeah. Here and uh, so, what, go ahead and read the, the first kind of the starting lines in um, Fire and Blood. Uh, yeah. So Aegon's conquest. Uh, the maesters of the Citadel who keep the histories of Westeros have used Aegon's conquest as their touchstone for the past three hundred years. Births, deaths, battles, and other events either dated uh, AC after the conquest or BC before the conquest. True scholars know that such dating is far from precise. Aegon Targaryen's conquest of the Seven Kingdoms did not take place in a single day. More than two years passed between Aegon's landing and his uh, Old Town coronation. And even then, the conquest remained incomplete, since Dorne remained unsubdued. Uh, Sporadic attempts to bring the Dornishmen into the realm continued all through King Aegon's reign and well into the reign of his sons, making it impossible to fix a precise end date for the Wars of Conquest. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, right here, yeah, true scholars know that such dating is far from precise. Uh, <laughs> Aegon Targaryen's conquest of the Seven Kingdoms did not place take place in a single day. More than two years passed between Aegon's landing and his Old Town coronation, and even then the conquest remained incomplete since Dorne remained unsubdued. Mm, yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's it was it was kind of um, right, you know. Uh, it was kind of disappointing to to, to hear well, that, but um, as as we progressed, yeah, uh, into fire and blood a little bit more, I was like, okay, this is yes, right, right. And we said before we were uh, before this came out, we were looking at the um, I always mispronounce chapters. It. Yeah, we're looking at the chapters, but we we're also looking at the novellas. You know, those smaller books that mm-hmm. he released, right? And I think that you know, since he had already released those, it was. I think those are kind of. Um, because when you get to the Sons of Aegon, I mean, it's sort of again the Sons are, of the Dragon, right? Yeah, is, so, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that is, um, pr- I didn't, you know, I didn't go back and look at Sons of the Dragon, but I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty much the same. Yeah, pretty, pretty cool. much the same thing. And it's yeah. the same material. We know that. Um, I think what we were looking for was was new material. And so, d- fear mm-hmm. not, we're not we're not bashing uh, Fire and Blood. Just so in case you've you know tuned out already, there's a lot of good to come. But uh, oh, there's tons of great ton, stuff. tons, tons. 
and you and you and I and you and I had said um, what we thought the biggest expansion would be because you know you have Aegon's conquest and stuff like that, which was pretty detailed in a World of Ice and Fire, mm-hmm. um, Sons of the Dragon, which has its own novella. A lot of that Dance of the Dragon stuff. There's pretty much two novellas about that, plus World of Ice and Fire. Yeah. So what you and I were were thinking was we're going to get a lot of that Jaehaerys stuff, and that's going to be new information. Right. Yeah. And and we we were right. You know. Absolutely, because the stuff about Jaehaerys in World of Ice and Fire is really short. Actually, it's a really short chapter, and it just says, "Hey, he was pretty much." It just you know, it's like, "Hey, he was a great king." And that's right. kind of it. And then we don't really hear a lot about Jaehaerys in the main series. You know, in the main series, you're always getting a little bit of the histories, um, you know, every now and then. Or, you know, in Dunkin' Egg, we hear a little bit about the kind of other kings and things like that. Um, but, you know, Jaehaerys is still that one king we hadn't heard anything about. And he had this huge reign. And now we're getting a lot of it. Um, even if you go back to that sample chapter um, that we had, uh, the little teaser from Fire and Blood, where it talks about Queen Allison flying to the wall. Mm-hmm. and. Yeah. Her her dragon wouldn't her dragon's not it was like didn't follow her command when he she yeah. tried to fly over the wall mm-hmm. wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't go with her and stuff like that yeah yeah exactly that that that's pretty neat I mean and it, it's like the longest I think he he reigns for like the the longest of any Targaryen and it's like there was next mm-hmm. to nothing on him so it makes a lot of sense that that's a place where you know um, Gur would would want to you know write more uh, about and he seems to really like uh, just from the World of Ice and Fire King Jaehaerys you know. Um, mm-hmm. You need that king who rules and and sort of the, the the kingdom has to settle. There's just been Aegon's conquest, mm-hmm. and we even had Maegor the Cruel. A lot of a lot of issues there, so a lot of a lot of uh, turmoil, and people are still not really, uh, I think, settled with uh, with the Targaryens until King Jaehaerys. Like his reign mm-hmm. is what kind of solidifies uh, the Targaryens as like, you know, I don't know. Uh, like people see mm-hmm. long term that it's going to be Targaryen, you know, folk and power. Right. So. Yeah, and, and even um, uh, we, you know, some of the other chapters in Fire and Blood, um, you get you get more on Aegon Targaryen's kind of rule as a king, um, and kind of his governance and how it worked. And I'm gonna, I have actually have a, uh, um, a segment here. Let mm-hmm. me pull this up here. I thought I thought was interesting. Um, just talking about him and his sisters. It says though, though none had doubted that Aegon Targaryen was the final authority in all matters relating to the governance of the realm. His sisters Visenya and Rhaenys remained his partners in power throughout his reign, save perhaps the good queen Alicent, for the wife of King Jaehaerys. No other queen in the history of the Seven Kingdoms ever exercised as much influence over policy as the Dragon Sisters. It was the king's custom to bring one of his queens with him wherever he traveled, whilst the other remained at Dragonstone and King's Landing, oft uh, as not seated on the Iron Throne, ruling on whenever matters came before them. Yeah, and I have I have I have I have uh, two notes here. One it says, um, save perhaps for good Queen Allison, um, and there's a lot of good Queen Allison in this book, and it's awesome to get her perspective and things like that. Um, you know, there's a lot of her in this book, and it's cool. It's great because yeah. we don't know a lot about her and um she is actually super important in Jaehaerys's reign um assisting him doing things they're really kind of a power couple and we get that absolutely um, yeah and also i said uh i have a note here and i said this was clearly written before cersei lannister and again just like with world of ice and fire you have to take this book um when you're trying to apply it to the viewpoint of the bigger world of ice and fire that this book is written by Archmaester Gildane, much like most of um, World of Ice and Fire is. It is told through his perspective. 
Um, so that was one of the things when we were seeing previews, like the Targaryen family tree and stuff. You know, it, I think it said um, Prince Ares, not King Ares, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, right, because that's at the time at which is it is written. So that is something that is also kind of cool about this um, is the is to kind of put that viewpoint there because with the exception of dunk and egg i mean the main series is all you know pov chapters right right and Mm -hmm. so um you know duncan and it's all like kind of current and you know duncan egg is 100 years or whatever before the main series so this is also that kind of expansion of um the world from not necessarily a primary source, but someone who was closer to that time period writing, you know, cl- about events. Yeah, exactly. And I was reading just some uh, some reviews and, and, and different things that talked about the world building that actually does happen. You know how we talk a lot about um, with uh, Duncan Egg in that series, you get a lot mm-hmm. of the day to day stuff. You don't get a lot of day to day stuff, but you do get additional details here and there that um, even some conversational, some dialogue between some of these you know, historical people. So I think that's kind of neat. And, and you get to see the world kind of form and um, build just a, a, a little bit now. And again, it's only 300 years. This is only 300 years before mm-hmm. Song of Ice and Fire. So, you know, um, he's right. kind of just, you know, uh, commenting on, on um, the various kingdoms and stuff. But, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty neat. Uh, one, one other thing too. Well, I mean, my whole thing here, I want folks to go and buy this book and, um, you know, Sir Matt and I are doing a, a reread of it. We're going to include it with our, uh, Game of Thrones. So mm-hmm. if you're listening, we want you to grab that and read chapter one, uh, through whatever with us. But I, uh, I noticed something when I was reading this and I thought about, you know, someone like some of our listeners, some of the uh, folks in our, in our book club, and it doesn't have those. Um, you remember how in World of Ice and Fire it was? I forget the other maester's name, but it would uh, it would stop. Right. Yeah, it would kind sometimes of, shift to their perspective, right? And they would yeah. maybe disagree or expand, right? And it would kind of it get. I got it was sometimes hard to to follow, or I guess if you had the book, you could just you know skip that. This is very textbooky, very. Um, it, it's a little dry, but there's some there's a lot of details in it, and there's it's just straightforward. I mean, it's just. Um, it's a lot like the novellas, you know, that we have uh, right. discussed. Uh, all, yeah, I mean, already, it's but. it's as you know, as someone who I, you know, I'm a history major. I, that's that's what I studied in college, and so I've read you know hundreds of history books, and that's the way it reads. Is it reads like a history book? Yeah. Um, I actually saw I actually saw a review that blasted it, and it was like it was I think it was Forbes review, and they were like, oh, George R. R. Martin writes a history book about a you know, it was like it was blasting it. And it's like, well, that's the point. Like, it's not supposed yeah. to. Be, it's it's not a novel. It's no. It no. is a history. It is it. It's just you know the. It's like the Samarillion, right? The yeah. Samarillion's kind mm-hmm. of a history book of whatever. Yeah. And people want that. Like, there's clearly a market for they it. Do. You know, pe- people want we that do. world to be expanded. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. all about it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and uh, I actually was I uh, saw an interview and uh, well, Lord Adam Parker can talk about this a bit. I, I almost wonder if Gurr mentioned this again about the the way in which it was easier for him to write Fire and Blood than it is to write Winds of Winter. You know, we're gonna absolutely talk more about it as we go along. But it's sort of uh, it's the style. You know, he doesn't have to mm-hmm. be super clever. He doesn't have to weave in a bunch of. Um, you know, uh, double meaning with words. He's, you know, it could just be pretty straightforward. I mean, there's still some cleverness to it. There's uh, still some mystery. We were talking about, you know, Rainey's Targaryen's letter uh, back from Dorne, you know, to her brother Aegon. And that's still a mystery, very straightforward, um, just sort of, you know, same thing that was in A World of Ice and Fire. But 
uh, it's easier to write. And so I think that's why he stepped us, you know, he's, he's able to write that, you know, um, fairly quickly, it seems like. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you're right. You're writing history. You don't and you don't have to explain in detail everything, you know, every little Mm-mm. event that happens. Right. You know, it's just you can just say he, you know, flew to the sept or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to say like the wind was racing toward, you know what I mean? Right. Like an expl- explain like what it is that that person's seeing because you're just, you're talking about an event rather than a person's uh, viewpoint on an event. Yeah. Yep. That's a good point. Yeah. You, we don't, you don't get that point of view. You just get the, well, you get the maesters, you know, kind of uh, writing mm-hmm. down, as you say, just to, more of an object. It's objective, right? I mean, it's, it's basically absolutely. third person yeah, objective absolutely. telling you, you know, who said what and what happened. So uh, with some speculation, so I guess not entirely, uh, third person mm-hmm. objective, but close, you know. So, yeah, I don't know. I I, th- I know there were some rumblings out there about just you know, uh, how is it that we get this book? I actually, um, oh gosh, where's it at here? I had one of the, oh, someone had here it is. Okay, so uh, tour dot com, um, uh, Chris Lowe here had kind of said, uh, fire and fire and blood is the best song of ice and fire uh, book in eighteen years, but will anyone read it? Is this question? I thought it was kind of a you know, right? It's, it's pretty cool. I mean that yeah, uh, you know. It is one of the best, you know. Um, it's, it's great. I I I love everything yeah. about it. Um, I like. I, we said we were discouraged in the beginning, but once you get to this new uh, content, it's fantastic, and it, it actually, you know, um, just continues to build and add to the world. But you know, is anyone going to read it, or you know, are people going to sit down and and uh, it, this is for the this is for the fans though. This is what I you know absolutely ar- argue. Yeah. It's not to bring more people into um, you know. The series, I think it's the series is already blown up, and people are are into it. They're reading it. They're watching the show, and this is, you know, supplemental. So, right, you know, this, the, yeah, this isn't, this isn't, this book isn't designed to tell us, you know, like, hey, what's the secret behind the White Walkers? What's, you know, who's Jon Snow's parents? You know, right. that's that's not that's not what this is about. This is about expanding the world, yep. building the world, because. Also, think about it. Is that the world's about to get expanded a lot more with the new HBO series? You know, yeah. Game of Thrones is Game of Thrones. The TV show is ending. Yep. Now, you know, as next, you know, next April, you know, it's it's coming back. It's probably going to be over in May. Um, and so, you know, that's it. And then, yeah. you know, we're done with the HBO the O series. The books, you know, there's only two books left. Um, and then, but we're going to get that prequel. We're going to get more stuff in that world. It's mm-hmm. you know, it's. Build, starting to this is this is going to help build the foundation for the bigger world you know yeah. song of ice and fire series well and and here you you yeah you're absolutely right because i i've read a couple interviews where where um well oh gosh um is it uh who, who are the authors El, elio um mm-hmm. and uh well the, the author is linda right of uh, world of ice and fire mm-hmm. uh they talk about the idea there was a need for um for George to kind of pencil down to put down you know check the dates and just he was building he had so much history uh laced into his his um you know Song of Ice and Fire series that like they didn't want it to be contradictory you know he's still he's still writing that series you know and so it it, it makes it better when he in his mind has really good um you know foundation and, and a good history to kind of launch from you know because he's talking about the dawn age and then he, then he'll reference something in targaryen history and then he'll go back to the age of heroes he does all of that in a song of ice and fire and he did all of that before world of ice and fire was out so he had all these things in his mind uh and he needed to kind of you know s- 
yeah, set absolutely. it down in writing. That's I mean, Tolkien, I mean, kind of was in the opposite fashion, had the histories written down, and then from that wrote, um, you know, the Lord of the Rings or whatever. But it's it's uh, there's a need for that. He needed to go back and, and make sure these things were solid so that way everything kind of connects, and that's... You know, if, I mean, the more I read the series, too, everything does connect. You know, we're blown away by the Lady Stoneheart reference in A Game of Thrones. You know, heart, yeah. uh, you know, turning to stone. And it's like it's the foundations laid right there. So he's he's a guy who um, I think he, he needed this and he wanted to, you know, not just do this for, for, for the fans, but it, it's stuff, stuff he already has down. I mean, he's already got that backstory. So I don't know. Yeah, abs- yeah absolutely. But um, OK, um, so I, I think we wanted to. Do we want to do a couple passages? Do we want to turn to spoiler territory here? Uh, yeah, just just some stuff I thought I thought was cool. Um, so I have I have uh, I already kind of read one, um, but I kind of want to uh, to read to read an, another. Well, I, I have a couple here. I want to read. Okay. This one. Um, this is uh in the Aegon um kind of ruling chapter right with him and his sister and talking about the governance and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, it it just uh it is better to forestall rebellions than to put them down. Uh, Aegon famously said when asked the reason for his journeys, why he um is traveling around, a glimpse of the king and all his power mounted on Balerion the back black dread, um and attended by hundreds of knights glittering in silk and steel, did much to instill loyalty in the restless lords. The small folk needed to see kings and queens from time to time as well. The king added, and know that they might have the chance to lay their grievances and concerns before him. Uh, and so they did. Much of every royal uh, progress was given over to feasts and balls and hunts and hawking, as every lord attempted to outdo the others in splendor and hospitality. But Aegon also made a point of holding court wherever he might travel. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to uh, skip. Uh, I'm going to skip skip ahead here um, a little bit. Each of the conquered kingdoms had its own laws and traditions. King Aegon did little to interfere with those. He allowed his lords to continue rule. Uh, uh, his lords to continue to rule much as they always had with the same powers and um, prerogatives. The laws of inheritance and succession remained unchanged. The existing feudal structures were confirmed. Lords, both great and small, retained the power of pit and gallows on their own land. Um, uh, and then it, it goes on and on. But it, it, you know, I can see why people think it's kind of dry, but it's kind of cool is that we're getting that this is something we don't really get a lot of how Aegon rules in world of ice and fire. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be, it's going to be kind of interesting because I'm going to have to go out on a limb here and say, I, there's no way that one of those prequel shows isn't Aegon's conquest that they're working on. That like, seems to me like that's gotta oh, be one of them. Yeah. It's gotta be one of them for sure. Absolutely. That, that, yeah. I, I'm, I'm with you on that. Cause I don't know how, how much you can do or how long, you know, the age of heroes stuff will be. Right. I mean, you could do a lot with it for sure, but uh, it also right. depends on its success. Too. You can hold mm-hmm. off on Aegon's conquest. You could, this could go on for another decade or so. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that'd be a, and Aegon would be a would be a super cool character to do because you could do five or six seasons. You could do him like in his sister's kind of as a kid as he begins to turn his his sight. You know, he fights wars over in Valyria and, and not and um, in Essos and stuff like that. And so then, kind of focus on. Um, you know his 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 turning his his conquest and then kind of him as a king, mm-hmm. yeah, you know? yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, okay, all right. Let me. Uh, now this is major spoiler here. Okay, so <laughs> if you guys don't want some stuff spoiled, uh, I just because for me, I, I as I said, the first two chapters straightforward, and then as soon as I jumped into the Jahari stuff, it's just littered with. New, I mean, everything about it is brand new. So uh, if you're looking just to fast forward through the, you know. 
for you know uh, King Aegon and Aenys and Maekor, then that's fine. You know, skip right to Jaehaerys. It's totally cool. Uh, here we go, man. Okay, so you, you had just mentioned that uh, Aegon, when he's tra- like he did that, uh, what do you call it? Like the the tour, you know. Uh, he's, mm-hmm. he's traveling from various keeps and things. So, uh, and he's sitting in court, and uh, Jaehaerys decides to do the same thing, right? So he wants to, he saw that as, as uh, something that was important, and he takes Queen Alysanne with him. And uh, this is, you know, super cool. So uh, he's actually headed to, I'm just kind of giving you some some background here before I start reading, uh, to um, Maidenpool, I believe it is. And uh, so, mm-hmm. so they ride there, everything goes smooth, they get there, and so the journey went without incident until the king and queen reached Maidenpool where they would be guests of Lord and Lady Mooton uh, for a fortnight before sailing across the Bay of Crabs um, to Wickenden, uh, Galltown, and the Vale. The town of Maidenpool was far um, famed for Sweetwater Pool, where legend had it that Florian the Fool had first glimpsed uh, Jonquil, uh, Jonquil bathing during the Age of Heroes. So you get this... Uh, you know, maiden pool, and you get this famous pool of water that she's going to go bathe in. Uh, Queen Alicent wants to bathe in it, and it's like got these healing properties and powers. It's, you know, uh, pretty cool. So she had this fancy to go there. Uh, the lords of Maiden Pool had erected a great stone bathhouse around the pool uh, many centuries before and given it over to the Order of Holy Sisters. No men were allowed to enter the premises, uh, so when the queen slipped into the sacred waters, she was attended by only her ladies-in-waiting, maids and septas. Um, okay, and these septas, and it, this is actually kind of neat because they bring in the faith a little bit as well, and they, they, it's, it's littered throughout all of this. The uh, we, we had talked about this in A World of Ice and Fire, the you know, the relationship between the Targaryens and Old Town, you know, because, mm-hmm. well, I mean, so the, the, yeah, the, the the Sept, right, because of the ancestral marriages and things, correct? You know, mm-hmm. and, and Aegon yeah, had two, two, yeah. two wives, and that's, you know, taking off the high, the high Septon. So, um, all right, so they, you know, she's, she's in here, right? And uh, um, let's see, what's, what does it say here? So the goodness of the little queen and the silence of the starry sept and the extortions of the seven uh, speakers had won over most of the faithful for Jaehaerys and his Alisand. So some of their, some Targaryens and, and some of their uh, people close to them had actually converted to the faith and had tried to restore this relationship. Um, but there were always some who will not be moved. And amongst the sisters who attended uh, Jonquil's pool were three such women. So she goes in surrounded by some of her ladies-in-waiting and these septas, and uh, their hearts were hard with hate. Uh, They told one another that their holy water um, would be polluted forever were the queen allowed to bathe in uh, them or to bathe in them whilst carrying the king's abomination in her belly. So she's pregnant at the time with Jaehaerys, uh, child, so uh, Queen Alicent had only slipped in uh, out of her clothing when they fell upon her with daggers they had concealed within their robes, and so there's this. I mean, it, what caught my eyes? I'm flipping through the photo and we'll have to post this in the group. But right. it's like, right? It's like, yeah, three women and they're like naked bathing in this uh, this pool, and these septas come out. And that that daggers that caught that caught your eye. That caught my eye. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it was, it's well illustrated, my friend. It's well illustrated. Right, right. And uh, so anyways, you know, a couple of her ladies-in-waiting are killed. And so let me skip mm-hmm. down here a bit. Jaehaerys was furious. Uh, their visit to the Vale was postponed. Instead of returning to the safety of... Ma- Instead, they returned to the safety of Magor's holdfast. Queen Alysanne would remain there until her child was born. 
but the experience had shaken her and set her to pondering. Quote, I need a protector of my own, she told his grace. Your seven are leal men and valiant, but they are men, and there are places men cannot go. The king did not disagree. A raven flew to Duskendale that very night, uh, commanding the new Lord Darkland to send to court his bastard half-sister, Jonquil Dark who uh, thrilled the small folk during the war for the White Cloaks as the mystery knight known as the Serpent in Scarlet. Uh, still in Scarlet, she arrived in King's Landing a few days later and gladly accepted um, the appointment as the queen's own sworn shield. Uh, in time, she would be uh, known, about the, uh, known to the realm as the Scarlet Shadow. Uh, just kind of cool stuff, you know? I mean, she's got her Yo, own... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, that's just... I don't know. It's it's badass, you know. I mean, it's it's really kind of neat to see, you know. That, that that's a perfect example. She needs her own protection, and you know, you've got the king's guard, but they can't go everywhere. So she's in the sacred bathhouse, mm-hmm. and you know, is is uh, is killed. So you know, kind of just I thought it was really neat, um, and, and uh, it made sense too because what we know about Alisan is that she is sort of progressive, right? I mean, she disagrees with the, with the Great Council of 101, you know, when Jaehaerys sort of says that, you know, um, his he pa- the, the crown passes to uh, his grandson instead of his granddaughter. You know, he mm-hmm. says that the, that the male line should can kind of continue. And uh, Alysan leaves him because of that. Separate. We talked about that's not spoiler. That's we, we know that from a world of ice and fire. Uh, they reconcile. Uh, there's the, the reconciliation. But, you know, she's very progressive. And so to get her own, you know, uh, private sworn shield, who is a woman, you know, this bastard half sister of Lord Darkland there is uh, is really cool, in my opinion. So no, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I got I got I got uh, one more here. I kind of want to uh, read. And this is um, during the hour of the wolf. Okay. Right, which is which is later um, when uh, Lord Craig and Stark sits as you know regent, you know, kind of hand hand of the king there for um, for a- uh, for Aegon the Third, right? Aegon the Younger, right? The, yeah. The the, the, little, the little one, and he, he just kind of is conducting business for this period of time. Because remember, he marches south with like an army, right? He like marches south with an army, and then they kind of take or you know. They kind mm-hmm. of hold court. Yeah. Um, as armies marched and swords were sharpened, Lord Craig and Stark sat within the Red Keep, conducting his inquiries into the murder of King Aegon II, even as he planned his campaign against the dead king's remaining supporters. Prince Aegon, meanwhile, found himself confined to Magor's Holdfast with no companions save the boy Gaiman uh, Palehair. When the prince demanded to know why he was not free to come and go, Stark replied that it was for his own safety. This city is a nest of vipers, Lord Cregan told him. There are liars, turncloaks, and poisoners in this court who would murder you as quick as they did your uncle to secure their own power. Uh, when Aegon protested uh, that Lord Corlys, uh, Lord Laris, and Sir Perkin were friends, the Lord of Winterfell replied that false friends were more dangerous to a king than any foe, that the snake, the clubfoot, and the flea had saved him only to make use of him so that they may rule Westeros in his name. Wow. Yeah, so it's wow. pretty sweet. He's, yeah, is that you have, uh, you know, uh, Craig and Sir? Because in World of Ice and Fire, we just kind of get that he just was there, right? Um, yeah, and yeah. It's, it's this super cool thing. It's called like the Hour of the Wolf, right? Yep. And yeah, so yeah, and you get more. You get more of his mindset and his, you know, mm. um, yeah, and and it and it goes on. It goes on, you know. Yeah, oh, yeah. After that, for a bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, awesome, awesome. Um, around that same time, so right before the time that you were talking about, um, I had something just real quickly here. It's on like four ninety three. 
Uh, great picture caught my attention. What, what's cool is as you flip through this, you'll see all sorts of well-illustrated black and white um, illustrations. Let me see if on the front does it say. Illustrations by Doug uh, Wheatley. Uh, so those mm-hmm. are fantastic. You guys need to check those out. Um, the uh, the Dead Shepherd is this, is this character who basically you know, is in the streets kind of preaching uh, against the, the, the dragons, you know? So mm-hmm. um, those who heard him preach, like those who would later uh, record his infamy, knew him only as a shepherd. Mushroom named him the Dead Shepherd, for he claimed the man was pale and foul as a corpse, fresh risen from its grave. And what's interesting is it looks like his arm, he's uh, had uh, his hand cut off, and they say, you know, that what could be an indication that he was a robber at one point. So he lost a hand uh, for robbing and maybe it was robbing, giving to the poor. Uh, who knows what it might have been. Um, but he preached that dragons were unnatural creatures. Uh, demon, uh, demons summoned from the pits of the seven hells by the uh, fell sorceries of Valyria. Uh, he kind of goes on. Uh, mm-hmm. He continues just to kind of call them down and, and he mocks. Uh, the dragons and the Targaryens, each hour his crowd grew. A dozen listeners became a score and then a hundred. Uh, and by the break of dawn, thousands were crowding into the square, uh, shoving and pushing as they strained to hear. Many clutched torches, and by nightfall the shepherds stood amidst a ring of fire. Those who tried to shout him down were savaged by the crowd. Even the gold cloaks were driven off when 40, uh, of, uh, 40 men attempted to clear the square at spear point. Um, and so I'll leave you there because there's more to it, but... Uh, don't don't want to spoil all of it for you, but it's it's a cool little connection to the faith, kind of coming back again. We just talked about uh, Queen Alicent, you know, and Jaehaerys trying to reconcile things with the faith, and mm-hmm. now you've got more of these, you know, as kind of a you know, the dead shepherd here uh, coming back. And actually, what you get a connection to isn't, um, gosh, the the oh man, the guy in the in the in the, in the main series isn't there a shepherd, you know, a guy who who comes in and sort of uh, restores, brings the faith right, militant back. Right, right, yeah. So it's yep. kind of a, yep. a a little bit of a parallel, you know, and so I thought that was thought that was interesting. But, um, you know, because we don't, the relationship is strained, and so we see this back and forth, you know, and the way I look at it, too, it's it's where uh, the the seven, you know, are, are, are often uh, brought up, and you get a, um, a better understanding of, of their beliefs, of their system, their, their faith, and... Uh, you know, um, yeah, their opposition mm-hmm. to the Targaryens. I mean, kind of quiet sometimes, and then it, then it, um, you know, surges forward, and then it's they're they're cowed, and then you know, back and forth. But yeah, yeah I don't absolutely. know. Kind of a neat little couple of neat passages. You know, just wanted to kind of uh, uh, there's there's tons more. I mean, tons, tons, tons of, mm-hmm. of of cool stuff. Yeah, and yeah, I mean earlier, you know, earlier we had said with Fire and Blood, you know, there's there's definitely going to be some repeat material in here. Um, but we know that we're getting a fire and blood part two at, at some point. I'm guessing that's probably two to three years from now at the earliest. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, that'll be a lot more new uh, information. Yeah. But I mean, it's still great. I mean, it's, it's it, you just you don't, I wouldn't view it as an entirely new book. I would view it as an expansion to say like a world of ice and fire is how I kind of view it. Yeah, exactly. And uh, Sir Matt had mentioned too, that, you know, watch the wiki because that'll be getting updated. I'm sure. They've got mm-hmm. a large task ahead of them to kind of update some. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. The names that are littered in here too, just more names from different houses. The trees just keep getting the family trees just get bigger and bigger. Um, connection to the like on the back, and if you have the hard copy of this book, on the back in the back of the book you have the Targaryen succession, and that's pretty neat. Mm-hmm. Kind of gives you a quick little rundown of all the kings and uh, you know who kind of 
came after who, and uh, it's pretty neat. There's also like a nice little handwritten uh, Targaryen lineage, um, you know, there for the for the royal family, I guess. Uh, yeah, Ab- yeah, absolutely. Which is really cool. So if you get a chance to to look at that, you definitely should. Um, so I think just final thoughts, Sir Matt. You know, uh, it's it's good. Um, I, I'm ready to dive more into it. Um, you know, it's gonna be it's a great another addition to the song of you know of of ice and fire. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I kind of I kind of just view it. It's to me, it's it's more just uh, it's another instrument in the song rather than like another section of the song. It's kind of how how I view it. Right. Okay. Yeah, I get you. Well, and and I'm I'm with you on that. Yeah, it just it 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 adds um, to the world. It's it's definitely something that you know. There's there's some new. There's some rehash, uh, but it's fantastic. If you're if you're into the detail and, and you you want to kind of uh, theorize and think about some of these old families, you know, and and, and look at how you know um, oh the the shift in power, you know, and, and I, th- I think the the wheel is coming full full circle. By the end of this series, I think you could have back to actually you know seven to six kingdoms you know you could have uh you know multiple kings you could have one person sitting on the iron throne you know uh and so if you like to think about those things and theorize then this is this is a good book for you to kind of go and look for parallels um between the histories and uh the main the main series there so i would definitely go buy it i would check it out uh sir matt and i as i said at the top of the show we are going to you know uh, take it chapter by chapter uh, that'll be in our maester study of our of our main show, and uh, so mm-hmm. if you're interested in that, we'll, we'll kind of uh, you know um, rehash it as, as much as we can. Go into the details, dive in there with you guys. So definitely check that uh, yeah. out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, all right, guys. Hey, as as always, uh, thanks for listening, and um, just remember that winter is coming. <laughs>